Welcome to Grit and Gravitas with Anne and Annie, bringing you savvy, spirited stories of success. We're excited to deliver 30 minutes of inspiration, impact, and goodness. We'll be bringing you guests and friends from around the country who have very special work and personal journeys. I'm Ann Dieter Gallagher, your co-host with Annie Carnathan, and this is Grit and Gravitas. Let's go. Another great day in the Grit and Gravitas podcast studio. And Annie Carnathan, I say it every time, I'm going to say it again. We have a phenomenal, inspirational guest with us today. It's a remote guest. I really wish uh, we were in Nashville recording, and that's on our bucket list. We have Suzanne Mayernick out of Nashville, Tennessee, and our listeners know we really have a heart soft spot for Nashville, Tennessee. Well, we do, and honestly, I already feel hugged from <laughs> Suzanne, even though she's video, and you know, we're like touchy-feely people, not tech people, <laughs> but her smile and her, uh, just her spirit, right, not to steal her word, is 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 personification through that video. So thank you, Suzanne, and, and, and for being here, and thanks for the time. And Suzanne, you are, first of all, a mother of eight, so we probably should learn survivor stories. That's what we should talk about first, I think. <laughs> how, how do you look so awesome and uh, so charming, and you're navigating life with uh, eight children? That's awesome. And you really, what we're going to dig down deep a little bit is your um, journey in adopting your daughter and from that passion, you know, growing a heart the size of Texas to start Love One International. And we'll dig deep uh, with that. But welcome. Welcome to Pennsylvania. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So we, you know, our headquarters, uh, we're broadcasting out of right outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the capital city. So give us, give our listeners just a little backstory on you and, and your adoption journey and where that led you. Okay. Um, well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate just the time to be able to share um, what God has done in our life. I, I am originally from Mississippi. Um, But I've lived in Middle Tennessee most of my life, and um, I married Mike Marinick, who is from Nashville. There's not a whole lot of um, people left like him here. There's a lot of people now that are moving, but we've been married almost 30 years, and um, we had four biological children, and really, when I went from three to four, it was a significant jump in just feeling overwhelmed. with a mom as a mom just laundry meals snacks nap times getting son to school keeping smaller ones at home and um really felt defeated on a daily basis and so when we started feeling like that the lord was calling us to adoption i kind of went in with my heels dug in because i felt like i was not capable of being the mom that i needed to be to them and um we you know, it was one of those things where we really just felt like the Lord was very clearly calling us to adopt an African-American little boy from America. Um, When we started doing our research, we found out that at the time, 16 years ago, um, little black boys were the last babies to be adopted in America. And um, 
which then made sense why the Lord would lay that on our hearts. And so started the process and just said, you know what, we're going to, um, the, it feels like the door is opened. And so we're going to take a walk and step inside it. And if he closes the door, then we'll know that, that we did not hear the calling correctly. Or if he continues to open it, then we'll keep walking. And, um, we finished our paperwork and three months later we had Joshua, our first son in our arms. And it was at that point that I think I just completely freed up from feeling like I had to have it all together as a mom. And also the love the one in front of me started resonating um, just in my kitchen even. Okay, well, I have this one that's crying because she needs a nap. I'm going to put her down for, for a nap. And then this one wants some juice, so I need to focus on this one and get him some juice. And so I started just going, okay, I'm going to take care of the one that is in front of me at this moment. And then I realized that once I did that, rather than looking at the big picture of all five children and, and getting overwhelmed and somewhat paralyzed by it, that it seemed a lot simpler. And... um and I just freed up from all the things that the world was telling me I needed to have in place or to get done as a mom, to be a good, a good mom, and started relying on the Lord to give me what I needed each morning and every day. And life became simpler. Um, two years later, we started the process again. Three months later, we had Caleb in our arms. He was born in Utah. Um. In along that time, we also started just traveling as a family and doing um, um, mission work, serving in other countries where there was a need. And in that process of traveling to Uganda, we met our little girl, Josie Love. Her name was Josephine in her orphanage. And um, and I had always said that if I ever, if we ever adopted again, which I said, oh no, we're done at six, we're good, you know, <laughs> we're we're content, life's full. Um, and we met her, and her name was Josephine, and felt like that the Lord continued just to open up the door for the process for her. And right. once again, He did. Um, do you want me to keep going? Do you want me to give like the adoption stories first, and then? Yes, but let me jump in here. This is almost okay. ironic. So there, you started this, uh, like adopting your son, uh, is that 16 years ago? You started yes. that process? And yes. and your your uh, mental conversations were, you know, be present and love or care for or uh, be intentional about the child in front of you. And it's almost, you know, the work-life balance and feeling overwhelmed. And I'm thinking now, throw in a pandemic in 16 years. And that message is truer even today. Like that's, that resonates with anyone working in the home, working out of the home. And you, you felt that way with four children, but then you're, you know, the doors just kept opening. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I love that's almost a, a business vitamin there is, is, and we could translate that into business, like deal with the concern or the person who needs you in front of you. And my brother used to tell me in the world of social media, be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, and stop, stop, you know, worrying about what the post or what the tweet's going to be, you know, at the end of today, but, but be present with the people or the problem or the conversation or the child, uh, be where your feet are today. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, more and more, 
the older that I get, I'm feeling that more and more. Um, you know, we brought Josie Love home, and then several years later, we were in Honduras working, and we ended up bringing um, another, our daughter home. Her name is Tuta, but she was 18. So that was a totally different situation and journey. And, um, but it was it also the same thing of the Lord put someone or something in front of us. And you choose rather to walk away from it or to say yes. And I think if there's anything that I've learned in this, just the adoption process, love one is later, but is that he's not going to bring you to that point and then leave you. So he has brought just the right people in at the right time to help me with each child. He's right, brought just the right friends. He's also moved friends out of my life that I thought were friends, but they were actually life suckers rather than life givers. <laughs> well, that's a, that's another business vitamin. Surround yourself with life givers, not life suckers. <laughs> right, right. And so um, as time has gone on, things have come into my life, but things have fallen out of my life. And I think it's just saying that first yes, and then seeing what God does with it. And then you wake up one day and go, wow, how did all this happen? Right. Right. Um, but I am exhausted, um, but in the best, most joyful, amazing way that you could ever be. So. And I think when, when you think about Suzanne, what you're really saying is, is prioritize the moment. Mm -hmm. And I sort of say, if there's 10 priorities, there aren't any, you know, and that's, that sort of circles the drain quickly because no matter if you do one thing well and you're focused on the nine you either didn't do or didn't do as well, mm -hmm. um, those are priorities to me that are life suckers, right? right? So it, it all becomes fulfillment within that scope of the mission and whether that's you know a child, whether that's a task, whether that's a conversation, and it's very difficult to shed people, priorities, without feeling as if you're, you're doing something wrong. And I think that's a constant, to me, battle for women, mm -hmm. you know, with, with more priorities of, of a husband, of children, of mission, of the Lord. You know, the Lord needs his time. Yeah. And so it, it becomes very interesting to hear you say that because nothing is going to impact your other seven children if if you're taking care of something the eighth one needs right but but isn't that how we look at it mm -hmm. is to sort of worry about everything we're not doing and then we never are fulfilled so taking a family to uganda that's a that's a big deal <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> You know, if you're traveling, you know, leaving the country, did you take the children with you when, in your travels or no, the younger ones? We do. We do. We, um, we've made that a priority early on when our oldest two biological children were in elementary school, we took them to Guatemala and worked at a special needs children's home. And it's the first and only vacation that we have ever taken that when we were leaving, our children were crying, not wanting to leave. Aww. And it wasn't even a quote unquote vacation. We were going right. to serve. And so Mike and I looked at each other then and said, 
we have to make this a priority before we go to the beach, before we may go snow skiing or whatever it is that you, wherever you might go, we have to make sure that we make a space in our family's life to serve others. And I I do think it has made the biggest difference even in, I mean, our children have to share beds. They've had to share bedrooms. They've had to share clothes. They've had to share everything. Um, And then when we take them to other places and they see how little other people have, it makes them so thankful that they have what they have even to be able to share it. Right, right. And so I am a firm believer um, to try to leave the world a better place than you found it. And what better way to do that than to have eight children that I'm raising to love other people that are around them and to shoot them kind of out into the world as arrows and to try to make eight more, like in eight more ways, the world a better place. Um, Do I feel overwhelmed sometimes? Yes. Do I feel... um, defeated yes but we're not guaranteed tomorrow right none of us are and so I get up every morning and say okay Lord what do you have for me today if I'm gonna feel defeated I'm gonna try to rely on you um and and I just make it through each day and if I look at tomorrow like if you ask me next week what are you doing next week I could not tell you I feel better now. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you I have a football game to go to at four o'clock this afternoon. Right. Um, but I just don't, I try not, I have, no, I have things on my calendar, but I don't focus on those. I try to stay focused on today. Right. And it seems. And I, and I think we're asking the Lord for a chance to wake up in a day. And mm-hmm. 100% after that, it's up to us. And, and sincerely, how we model that and look at that is precisely whether or not it's a day at a time or whether we say that it's a day at a time. Mm -hmm. And that I think is life affirming in ways where I personally don't have to do it all Mm -hmm. every day. I don't even know what all is because there's always something to do, Mm -hmm. right? That Mm -hmm. it, that will take the time I give it right to fill it. So so walk us through, so from um, your daughter that you adopted, um, Josie Love, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So then where did the love want, like, then you took it to Mount Everest to starting your own <laughs> nonprofit. I mean, that's, to feeling overwhelmed when you had four. Now you're at, what, seven or? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, well, here's how that happened. When we went to go get Josie, we knew that she was delayed um, developmentally, but we did not know that she was sick. So when we arrived in Uganda, it was only Mike and I, because we went to bring her home, um, because we had our paperwork done. And um, she was sick, sick, 105 temp. Um, She was just kind of laying limp across our, our legs. We took her to the doctor, and they told us, that she tested positive for malaria, tuberculosis, and HIV. And so then, you know, all the flags started going up of, okay, what does that look like? We have six other children at home. We bring her home. Um, I think we can get her the medical care that we that she needs for sure. Right. But can we even get her home with our home study? Right. So I stayed, pulled her out of the children's home, and was staying with a friend of mine. 
So I stayed with her to try to get all the medical, as much as we could get done in Uganda. He came home to put addendums under our home study and just to research what does healthcare look like for her once we get her here. Um, we brought her home. Of course, we had um, Vanderbilt Children's Hospital right here in town, which was such a huge blessing. So we started meeting with infectious disease. And at three and a half, she'd weighed 12 pounds. She did not walk. She did not talk. She didn't do anything. Um, but she just kind of sat in a corner. So we got her home. We got her little eyelids lifted so she could see better. Um, we started giving her medicine for the tuberculosis. They had already started that in Uganda. That was the, the roadblock to get her into America. Okay. Um, we started her own ARVs for the HIV. By nine months, she was undetectable, healthy, walking around, calling everybody by name. She just turned into this little beam of sunshine, always smiling, get laughing. And so then after we got her healthy, I would get in bed at night and I would lay my head on the pillow. And all I could think about were all the other moms that were in Uganda that were holding their little babies with 105 temperature that maybe they didn't have access to medical care. And they were literally going to hold their babies until they passed away, right? Mm. And I just started thinking, okay, what can I do? How can I help? And um, basically, I just went, got on a plane and went over there <laughs> and met with some government officials and just said, I need to try to set up a community-based organization so we can help these women in this area. And I had a few friends that I had met from when I had traveled to Uganda, and I hired those people to be my liaisons. And and I just kind of walked through the door, and the Lord just continued to open up the doors. And as he opened them, I would continue to walk. And, I mean, now I have a staff of 65 Ugandans that um, we have four, five or six social workers, four pediatricians, three nurses, four nutritionists. Okay, Suzanne, you make this sound like you just decided to get up and go to the grocery store. No, I know. I, <laughs> I mean, you don't just wake up and fly to Uganda. <laughs> no, no, I don't know how it happened. God just, he just did it. I said yes, and he did it. It happened a day at a time. Right. Well, there's just a lovely, enchanting fierceness in you. And this is a good, you know, do not get in the way of a mom on a mission. <laughs> so, That's true. That's you know, that you, you fly there. So you made what a handful of friends, but to really knock on the doors of government officials in Uganda, I can't think that's, you know, uh, an easy task, but so you weren't dissuaded. Did you, did you feel like this is like, I'm, people are going to think I'm crazy. This is too big for me. Or were you just, this is where the Lord's leading one day at a time. I'm going to do it. Um, well, I was already labeled as crazy because I had eight kids. <laughs> so, so that, that kind of went out the door. I think what, every time I would go there and see other little children's faces, I would yeah. see Josie love. Yeah. And I truly would see her face, and I just thought, am I just going to leave them? I mean, right? I mean, I've seen, I've seen now, I know different, so I'm just going to live in America, in Brentwood, Tennessee, in one of the wealthiest counties in, in all of America, and just sit over here and act like that I don't know or that I have not experienced it? And I just couldn't do it. 
Good for you. And so is it, is it, and, and the underlying thing, Suzanne, because I think patience, right? You, you didn't really necessarily know what you were building. You just knew you needed to help. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it, and, and that's the very definition of faith, right? To walk and not necessarily know what you're walking toward, or mm-hmm. if in fact there is even an end goal. Mm-hmm. And and what are the keys to that patience day in and day out to be able just to continue walking almost blindly, right? There's, there's not, again, an end in sight. So it has been difficult. I have been lied to. I have been cheated on, from. I have been stolen from. Um, in the whole process, even like having children is difficult. Um, but what, Amen. if there's anything that I've learned is that I do not have what it takes within my human self to be a, a great mom. I do not, or a great wife. Um, I just don't, I mean, I am flawed and sinful and all the yucks, Right. But if I rely on God, he gives me exactly what I need for each day. He also brings exactly the right people to walk alongside me in my journeys. Like I could not be the mom that I am if I did not have my wonderful husband to be the husband and father that he is. I couldn't have ever started Love One if I didn't have that handful of friends that said, hey, I'll come along and do it with you. And I truly believe that God gave me those friends, their gifts. Same thing as it's grown. I could not be running the nonprofit that we're running in Uganda right now if I did not have our director. Her name's Jennifer, and she is fantastic. And I feel like that God said to me, Suzanne, because you are willing to step out in faith and do something that I've asked you to do, I'm going to give you just the right people to do it alongside you so that you're not lonely in it. And And so I have Jennifer, who I talk to every day. I talk to her probably more than I do anybody in America. And and we just kind of locked arms and hearts, and we're just doing it together. So it was just that passion that once you knew what the need and the situation was, you could no longer fly back home and put your head on your pillow and say, you know, too bad. Yeah. I couldn't sit here and think that babies are dying. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. I mean, I uh, I totally understand that and empathize, but it's a rare woman that's able to take the step in and make it happen. So, I mean, you'll be on to, our To the list. magnitude, too, Anne and Suzanne, that it will continue that legacy long after you're on this earth and are walking with the Lord to me, yeah. watching it, watching over it. So that, so just to uh, further educate our friends, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them fans because that's at least our family's fans. <laughs> uh, so Love One, really, <laughs> your ministry and mission is to get the critically ill children in Uganda, you know, the, the best medical care, and then, and then the ultimate goal is to, to place them back into their homes so that the children are healthy and the families can be a family again or give them enough resources that they can uh, 
have their children back. Is that correct? That's right. We are not an adoption agency and we are not an orphanage. We, we, um, there are babies all in all these communities. We call them, you know, villages all around Uganda. We're in Northern Uganda in Gulu. And so in these communities all around the town, there are, um, you know, there's a lot of thousands of people that have never even left their community. They're just on that, that acreage where they were born. And, um, we find the babies that are severely malnourished. Typically they, um, have a secondary infection. So our first stop is the hospital and they, we give them the IVs that they need from dehydration, um, antibiotics, whatever they need. Once they're ready to be discharged from the hospital, they're not necessarily ready to be, go back out into a community where there's no running water or electricity. So the next stop is the loved one center. And that's where we say, okay, here's this child. We do this, the assessment on them medically, nutritionally, just uh, emotionally. We have a spiritual director also that shares the love of Jesus with the family. We have the nutritionist that educate. We bring the families in. We educate the moms, the grandmas, whoever. How do your child get this way? How do we prevent it from happening again? They do a nutritional-based meal for that particular child. And then we keep them there until we get them healthy. Um, Then the whole time their parents are coming in and we are training them. Then when they get ready to where they're healthy enough to go back home, we resettle them back home. Um, Samuel Francis, he's our spiritual director, goes with us. We share the love of Jesus with the entire community. We explain to them that love one is faith-based, and it's because of the love of Jesus that we are even in Gulu and doing, <clears throat> and doing what we're doing. We send them home with a new mattress, mosquito nets, you know, about a month's worth of food, kind of jumpstart them so the families can understand exactly what they need to, to continue to eat. And then our social workers do follow-up checkups just to make sure that they're continuing to stay healthy after we resettle them. Oh, my word. Wow. Like I'm feeling quite unaccomplished. <laughs> That's just, uh, you know, absolutely amazing. And I know you have, do you want to talk for a minute or two about your ambassador program? I know I'm sure a lot of people in Brentwood and all around the country are saying, how, how can we be a part of that? So uh, share a little bit about that program, if you would. Okay, um, so our ambassador program, we just started it two years ago. Actually, this is our third year, I believe. Um, and we kept having people email us saying, how can we help? What can we do to be a part of it? And we can't load everybody up and take them to Uganda. Right. Um, and so we started this program so that it's basically just people that we have Zoom calls once a month. I give detailed stories of children that are at the center that we don't really show on our socials. If you look at our Instagram, it's all the healthy children because we don't feel like that we can show the children when we first bring them in. Um, But, and they fundraise for us. They um, talk about us. They, I mean, we do a, a retreat where we all get together once a year at a particular place. We started out just in Nashville as a pilot program thinking, let's do 25, right? Let's 25, 30 people. Let's see what it would look like. <laughs> How many did you get? 
now we're up to almost 300. <gasps> so we started in Nashville. Then we opened it up the next year, and we went to 150. Wow. And now we're up to 300. So it's growing, and it's people. I mean, it's all over the nation. We even have a couple that are out of the country. Um, so cool. To where they're able to fundraise and give back and market, if you will, you know, everything that's going on at Love One so that more people know about it. And they really are making a significant difference financially oh, awesome. even yeah. um, in being able to care for these sweet babies. So what would be uh, your advice to younger women out there, you know, of, of – um, where should they look to plug in in their communities? You know, how do they balance all this? So maybe it's a young mom. What, uh, any insights for them, you know, of, of how they could uh, shift some of their thinking and and look uh, beyond their feet, if you would, to, to maybe meet some needs around them? Um, I, well, I met Bob Goff is one of my good friends. I don't know if y'all know him, but he sat me down not too long ago. And... Um, and I think everybody should do this. He said, Suzanne, you need to make three lists. One list of all the things that you, are absolutes that you know you want to do with the rest of your life. Right. Second list, the absolutes of everything you know you do not want to spend one more moment of your life on. <laughs> that and might then, be a big list. <laughs> and, and then the middle list is, there's probably going to be some things that, well, I really don't want to hang out with that particular person, but... She's a mom to somebody on my child's football team or, or whatever. There's some things like that that you have to do, but you wouldn't necessarily choose to do. But in time, move them things in the middle list, either to the, the positives, yes, or the negatives, I don't want to. And when I made that list, I actually, my pot, the things I know that I wanted to do, I actually only have about five things or six things left on it. And it's basically... I want to grow closer to the Lord, and I want to lead as many people to Jesus as I can while I'm still alive. I want to get closer to my husband and travel and just play and have fun with him. I want to spend time <laughs> with my family, you know, travel, spend time with my family. And I want to save as many babies in Uganda as I can. I mean, I have a couple of others, but it's pretty slim. Well, when I wake up in the morning and those are the top, and, oh, and spend time with life-giving friends. That's another thing on that list. Well, that's a good business vitamin there too. And so so if, you, if you put that to business also and you have that list of things, it's pretty easy what you're going to focus on and what you're not. And you just stay in that lane. And it's, it's amazing how when you start weeding out all the things that make you feel like you're suffocating all of a sudden your nose comes kind of above the water and you can breathe a lot easier. But you have to stay focused right. on that list in that lane. Simple, the not easy. Well, I love the life-giving. But life extraordinary. Giving, yeah. yeah. Life-giving friends. And I would just say you could stretch out to life-giving relationships. So if they're in the office, out of the office, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the community, your friends in the community, because I, I think your friends really – um, positivity is contagious. A dream mm -hmm. is contagious. Your passion. Um, so where can we find you? Where can we find out, uh, you know, how to support you? Um, if that's a, a like, a follow, a share, a website, um, what's the best way we can learn more about you? 
Um, well, our website is loveoneinternational.org. Um, Instagram, I think most of our social handles are loveoneint. Okay. Mm, and um, I think, I, I, I mean, on Facebook, we're Love One International. I don't think we have a Twitter. I try to remove myself from the, <laughs> all the day-to-day, all those yeah. things. If, if we may have a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll post it if you do. Great, great. So what are the ages of your children now? Um, 28, 26, 23, 20, about to be 21, um, 18, 16, 16, and 14. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now everybody's in high school and above. Well, that's, I don't know, maybe that gave you a little breathing room, but what a, what a great, uh, lesson, Suzanne, that in the beginning, say, you know, 18 years ago, your cup felt so full and, and overwhelming. And the more you followed the Lord and the more you gave, the more capacity you had. And, and look, Mm -hmm. uh, I can't help but be so impressed and inspired by your impact not only on those around you, I'm sure, but though, you know, in Uganda and those communities and God bless those moms and babies that hear of you and can access all your resources. Thank you. Thank so you. So we, we are, we are pleased to know you and to just hear your story. And we can't wait to share it with, uh, you know, the people that follow Grit and Gravitas. Thank you so much. Take care, Suzanne. God bless. Yes. Have a high gear day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. It's our desire that these stories will bring energy, ideas, and fresh thinking that you can use today. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram and have a high gear day.